Cold Weather Bats, what's up? This is Brandon Justice coming to you to talk about Great Lakes Bat Company. As you guys know, the show is sponsored by Great Lakes Bat Company, and you can buy a hat on their website at greatlakesbatco.com. Upon that, you can do tons of other things too. You got a team, organization, whatever it is, they got you covered. Whether it's uniforms, custom bats, custom fitting for bats, custom fungos, custom wood bats, trainers, you name it, they got it. GreatLakesBatCo.com. Welcome in to another brand new episode of Cold Weather Bats. I'm Brian Sikowski, he's Brandon Justice, and welcome to 2022. I know we came back for a couple episodes towards the end of 2021, kind of, you know, revved our engines, loosened the wheels, various cars speak, I don't understand. Uh, but anyways, we're excited to be back. We have a huge episode. We're, we're hitting 2022 in style. Uh, we're going to have Grand Blank State Champion Ace Flamethrower Notre Dame Commit David Lally on the show a little later on. Uh, he's going to talk to us about that that state championship run. Um the obvious elephant in the room of St. Mary's now being in D1 in baseball. Uh, look, a couple other things. We'll, we'll have a good conversation with him. And per a parent request in my DMs, we're going to have uh, a JUCO coach on, a good buddy of mine. His name's Corey Kohler. Uh, he's the recruiting coordinator and assistant coach at San Jack, San Jacinto, down in Houston. Uh, anybody who's ever followed JUCO baseball, even for eight seconds, has heard of San Jack, uh, knows what they do. They go to the juco world series every year you know they get guys drafted every year their whole team is made up of d1 players um that is san jack we're gonna have him on the show to talk a little bit about how the 2022 through 2024 classes are affected by the covid pushbacks by all of the players with extra eligibility blah 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 blah, blah. we're seeing it now we have seen it already we're going to continue to see it that roster crunch uh, at that level, at the collegiate level, especially when they start banging the counters back down to, to 35. Um, so he's going it, to, it'll be more of an informal informational chat, pardon me, but either way, we're, we're looking forward to that one. Uh, Brandon, how's 2022 been for you so far? Oh, it's been eventful. Uh, it's been good though. You know, uh, it's, it's that time of year where you kind of reflect a little bit, think about some changes maybe. And if you're going to stick to them, we all do it. It might be the gym. It might be eating better. It might be swearing less. It might be staying in the house more. Um, it might be something involving coaching, whatever it may be. Uh, new year, new challenges, a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, 2022 might be a pretty good year uh, for a lot of people in Michigan, baseball-wise, mm. just like 2021 was. It's it's another year, another talented, uh, deep uh, player pool at the prep level. Um, I think the college teams are going to have some good squads this year. Uh, we're going to have some improvement out of a couple of them, too. And you and I have been talking about that. So it's going to be a good year, I think. I think... This again, we kind of talked about this last year, but it kind of feels like year in, year out, we're, we're going to have a pretty good uh, year ahead for baseball, you know, hence why there, there's a podcast for it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's hey, that's 2022 uh, so far. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to our interviews uh, this week. I think we're going to get some great stuff uh, out of your buddy, the Juco coach. And I also think that David Lally is going to uh, supply us with some bulletin board material. 
uh, which is great. We love that. It'll be fun. It'll be interesting. Now I'm saying this before the interview, so I don't think I'm teasing anything. Truly, I don't know what he's going to say, um, but it would be interesting because we'll, we'll definitely be talking to him about a little bit of the, I wouldn't call it a controversy. That's, that's overstating it, but you know, people were upset about the celebrations uh, Grand Blank kind of got known for in its run. We'll talk to him about that. We'll talk to him about that showdown with Brother Rice, um, which really felt like one of those heavyweight college football games where one team just come out and mm-hmm. smacks the other, uh, which is interesting. And they, so I think we'll have a great talk about that and all kinds of things, man. I can't wait to start having coaches on again and getting back in the rhythm of it. And, you know, we're getting closer and closer to March and no, we haven't had as many episodes going into March as we did last year, but uh, the quality will definitely outweigh the quantity. And I mean, I'm looking forward to it. And speaking of interviewing coaches, uh, you know, last year, a a big couple weeks segment for us was to interview the preseason number one coaches in all of the, you know, various division four of the preseason MHSBCA poll which just came out. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, That's what Brandon and I are going to talk about. That'll be our segment. Uh, But before we get to that reminder to please follow us on social media, it's at cold weather bats on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, You know, that's kind of all I got right now, as far as housekeeping, I haven't really thought that much about it. Follow us on our social media. We'll anything we do, you'll hear there or whatever. Um, So yeah, I, Brandon, uh, you were at the uh, MHSBCA convention. I was not. I went to ABCA the weekend before. Uh, but either way, what? how was the weekend? How is my former hometown, Mount Pleasant, Michigan? How was Soaring Eagle Casino and the cabin? <laughs> oh, I mean, hey, there's nothing like it. It's it's uh, is it in terms of Michigan baseball. It's it's a gathering of a lot of minds, and we we just talked about a second ago about consistency within Michigan baseball. Well, all of it starts at the top. So you know, with that being said, there's a lot of terrific coaches in the state, uh, head coaches, assistant coaches, former head coaches, former. It doesn't matter. There's all kinds of them. Uh, out there and they're all for the most part uh, at this convention and you're able to conference and network and you're able to talk shop you're able to talk about absolutely nothing involving baseball i mean you're just the camaraderie of the fellowship it's it's awesome it's a brotherhood uh coaching long term takes a special kind of person and it takes a people who really chase their passion you know coach high school baseball i would say none of us are making money doing it really uh, for the most part i would say the majority of us aren't and so you know with all that being said it's great to be surrounded by those kind of people you know i got to see coach griesbaum i got to see coach zalka the two guys who uh, mean a lot to me who i don't coach with of course got to spend time with my wyandotte guys coach cotner coach zages and and all that so it was awesome to just be around that because really when so We'll cover this at some point, but if you missed the first episode with wine back at wine dot, um, you know, and all that, and we'll, we'll cover, we'll cover that at some point. But, uh, for us at wine dot, we, and Cotner's been doing this 15 years. And what we really like to treat that weekend as is like, Hey, this is a meeting of the minds for our coaches. It gives us a whole weekend to kind of talk about our roster, talk about, um, what we want to do philosophy wise, any, any changes we want to make, we get to introduce new ideas, maybe eliminate old ones, or maybe have new ideas shut down or new ideas, uh, catapulted. either way. It's, it's, it's good. It's not just conferencing with other coaches. It's also conferencing within your own group. And it's really productive. You get to learn from guys who talk uh, and speak. You get to have a couple beverages with your friends. Uh, you get to put a couple chips down on the table. And it's a good time. I mean, I, we look forward to it every year. Uh, and, of course, Mount Pleasant. I mean, 
does it get much better than Mount Pleasant? It, it's 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 quite <laughs> literally January? the mecca. It's yeah, January in Mount Pleasant. I mean, it's the mecca of Midwest Michigan, and uh, so yeah. I mean, of course, of course, Mount Pleasant is always a treat. The cabin, the cabin sticks, uh, are always oh. a treat. So I, I had a blast. Oh. Now it was this trip was a little bit sentimental for me um, because I have a brother who is a he's nineteen. And I've got a little bit of a dysfunctional family, to say the least. So he and I did not get to grow up in the same household or anything. Um, regardless, we stayed super close and have been our whole lives. And I was able to see him. He goes to Central. He's a chip. His first semester at Central, he started at Wayne State and then went out to Central. So I was able to see him. Didn't get to see him on Christmas. So that meant a lot. So it was, it was a great trip. It was a great weekend. Uh, learned a lot. Met new people. Saw old friends. Just nothing beats that, that brotherhood and that you know, like I said, that fellowship of the MHS BCA convention every year. No doubt about that. And we are going to jump right into our discussion of the MHS BCA preseason polls for 2022. Uh, obviously, you know, some movement here in terms of I, like the, again, the elephant in the room, St. Mary's is division one. Now they were division two for a number of years. Um, the enrollment went up. Uh, there's girls there now. Um, you know, there's a two or three classes, I think, of, of girls at St. Mary's now uh, for the first time in its 100-plus-year history. But anyways, enrollment's up. Got to go D1, baby. Let's do it. So uh, St. Mary's is now D1. I don't know necessarily, uh, you know, everybody saw who St. Mary's played last year. It's not like this is going to be an adjustment for them. They played mostly big-time D1 schools and uh, anyways throughout the course of the season. You know, Brother Rice is in the league. They played grand blank, uh, you know, De La Salle is in the league, Catholic Central's in the league, you know, so that's, this is nothing new. They played Portage Northern. Um, but anyway, I, you know, so that's, I guess that's where we'll start. We're going to to do like we did last year. We're going to get the coaches on. We're going to talk to them about the clubs. We're going to get those interviews. So Brandon and I are just kind of, kind of take it easy on this and do first impressions. But Brandon, I, to start in D1, I look at the top and like going by last year, going by what we know about these teams, going by what we we know that they're bringing back, I would say that that looks about right. Like that would probably be how I'd have it. You know, the top four or five, that upper crust there. Yeah, I think they're. First of all, let's preface it with this, and I think you and I both agree. Preseason polls are exactly that. They're a poll they don't before matter. anyone has seen anyone matter. play. Right, yeah. but it's content, and people want us to talk about it, so we will. So take, in, take this into account before I say what I'm going to say, that I, I fully respect the voters and the people who come up with this poll. It's a difficult job. We do it, but we do it during the season. I mean, we, we have a preseason one, and we put a lot of thought into that, um, but we really put a lot more weight and value into our, our in-season poll, or Super 25. And so, you know, the ton of respect for the people who do this, especially breaking it down by division, it's, it's truly something else. Uh, so so keep all that in mind. Uh, Orchard Lake, obviously, number one, is it's, it's not even... A question. Uh, Grand Blank is totally fair to be at number two. Granted, they are coming off their, you're given that they're coming off their championship and they return their horse in, in Lally. Uh, I think Brother Rice is great at three because I think they're the biggest threat to St. Mary's because, and, and hear me out, I think it's because when things are a little bit more personal, typically you're going to get a little bit more, whether it's mm-hmm. for better or for worse. And Brother Rice going, I think, what was it, 0-6 last year against uh, the Eaglets? I mean, that mean, that probably yep. means a lot. You know, Coach Riker's been there for a long time. He's a fantastic coach. He's done a lot of good things for – I mean, he's, he's really turned that program into the powerhouse it's been for a long time. And, uh, 
he's going to want to get that win. And I think his players are going to, too. And he's, he's got a lot of great kids there, like Alfredo Velasquez and, and a host of others. So I think that's good. Uh, I think Grand Ledge proved last year they can do some things. The only reservation I have, the only reservation I have is where we iron out the rest of this top 10 here. I don't think CC uh, deserved to be at 11. I think that's a namesake ranking, personally. I don't think they proved to us last year that they're they're the eleventh they're the eleventh best team in the state. Uh, I understand their roster is better this year than last year. Uh, you bring in a new head coach, you're going to have growing pains. I get it. They very well may be a top ten team when it's all said and done. Uh, I'm just not super high on them being where they're at. There, I'd probably rank Rockford higher. I'd rank Portage Central higher than them. Hudsonville. Uh, I mean, Dewitt probably they had a better year last year, and they return a lot. So that that's really my only reservation and. I don't say this to make anything personal with Downriver because I understand that I, I work really close with Downriver. I have the utmost respect for what Corey Flounder has done for the Woodhaven program. I just don't think at this point in time, looking at their roster as opposed to last year, um, it's the first time in a long time they really – I mean, Kyle Harris is great. Cal, uh, he's a Kellogg kid, Kellogg CC kid, and I think he's going to do some great things in the league. But I don't think he's Ron Paniak. I don't think he's Colin Tchaikovsky, and I don't think he's Drew Paniak. Uh, but I do think he's really close, and I think he might become that for them. And he has every opportunity to do it. I just I don't see Woodhaven at five. That I, I think there's a few teams better than Woodhaven at five, personally. Uh, so that's really the only reservations I have with that Division One ranking is Woodhaven at five, and um, like I said, Central uh, CC at eleven. I would probably move Woodhaven to like ten. I mean, still a fantastic team, still the favorite in the Down River League by all means. Um, but we got to come up with opinions here, and, and that's mine. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I just, I, I'm agreeing with you that I think St. Mary's and Rice is, you know, you, you reload like the rivalry, like anything can happen. Like I agree, and like you know, having been in the dugout for all of them last year, it was you know, some of those were were hard to take. I'd imagine on the other side, um, we've been there, I've been there, you've been there, we've all gotten our asses kicked before. We know it's hard to take, especially when it's your rival. So I'd imagine they'll come back a little bit more focused, a little more pissed for sure. Um, but yeah, I grand blank. I mentioned they bring back Lally. They bring back most of the team. I think, you, you know, we'll have to talk to coach hubs, but I can't just off the top of my head thinking of like their, their main contributors last year. It felt like most of them were juniors or younger. It, you know, Fidelino was a freshman last year, the dude who hit in the middle of their order and, and pitched some that's, you know, that's a guy, Kyle Keener just committed the other day. I saw that like that's He's another guy who's back. Um, I think that again, going to be a really a veteran team, and they they kind of took on that mantra last year of like, all right, we're the ones being disrespected, you know, we're the ones with the chips on our shoulder. Like the remember the old MSU disrespect misspelled meme thing, like that. Like that was kind of their mentality, and that's fine. Like you can be that way if you're going to come out and kick people's ass, and they did. So I don't I don't know if they're going to like run it back to that this year or not. But either way, like think those top three are in line. Uh, do you notice anybody missing? <sighs> I mean, the wine dot bears, <laughs> the wine dot bears didn't make the cut. Um, and and truly, truly, I think we have a good team. I mean, shoot, we got, I think we have the best overall player in the league and Donovan Canterbury, Xavier signee, uh, a potential draftee, uh, probably one of the better shortstops in the state in this class. I would say at one of the three best, arguably, um, to me, not arguably, but to others. So with, with respect to other opinions, um, 
I think we got a great player in Manny Gutierrez, who's a real under the radar kid. Um, but of course, I see our guys every day, so naturally, I'm going to think we're uh, pretty good. Not every day, but a lot of days, I see our guys uh, in and around the campus. So, yeah, I think Wyandotte's good. I think we're. I don't know if we're a 25, one of the 25 best teams in Division One, but if I had to think of one who people really aren't talking about that has a top flight Division One player and at the most important position. Uh, surrounded by pretty good talent with guys like, uh, like I said, Manny Gutierrez, Tyler Curdy. These are all like legitimate, uh, Robbie Longoria. These are all players. These are all guys who are probably going to play in college one way or another. And it's hard to find teams uh, with four, five, six college players on it, in my opinion, Um, except for those top flight schools like St. Mary's and Brother Rice and Grand Blank and Liggett and, you know, things like that. You don't really see it too often, especially in the past. I remember my junior year at Trenton, we had five commits. Now we were committed to those kids were committed to Siena Heights and Kalamazoo and KCC and a couple other schools, Wayne state because Conti JT Conti was one of them. But regardless, we had, uh, we had gotten a lot of respect out of the league. Uh, the news Herald had picked us to win the league. Now we went on to not win the league. Not even, not even particularly close to be quite honest with you, <laughs> at least from what I remember, I was hurt. So it didn't really matter. Uh, but with all that being said, I mean, in the past it's teams with that kind of, you know, that just kind of goes to show how long we've, how far we've come, I guess. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick one team, I mean, shoot, I would pick my own team just because I think we're a little bit better than we're getting, you know, given credit for. But, uh, apart from that, I mean, you can't ignore the fact that, uh, I mean, it's impossible to ignore the fact that gross points not on there. I was uh, just going to say, I don't see any gross. I don't see either gross point school, coach. which is insane yeah. to me, <laughs> you know, because first of all, uh, I'll address it while we're here. Like I love coach Griesbaum and I love South in general. And those guys keep up with me and I have all due respect for them. And I think we'll keep up for a long time. Um, and they have a great team. I mean, Alex Tickets comes back. Alex Tickets is the most underrated, overlooked catcher in the state, in, in my opinion. He's a late bloomer, just started catching, just started playing baseball, really. Um, and he's a stud. He was, he was first team all league and one of the better leagues in the state last year. Um, and then you get Chase Maisie, who's been clocked up to 87, 88. And then, you know, you say those two names and you completely um, forget about Wells Grant, who's their best mm-hmm. overall player, their captain. I mean, he was a huge leader for South last year as a as a sophomore, as a first-year player because he didn't get to play his freshman year because of COVID. So, so that's one thing. Now, you go to the other side of town, and North is just loaded. I mean, they're just as loaded now as they were last year. They lose Nick Good, but they still have Brennan That's Hill. a they huge still, loss. That is a, a huge, huge loss, though. It's a huge yeah. loss from a leadership perspective. It's a huge loss from, you know, he's the, one of the more dominant pitchers in the state. But Brennan Hill, he, like... That kid's got power five potential. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's even if it's just as a pitcher, he's got that power five upside. He's got a really live arm. He's got the length. He's got everything you're looking for. Uh, he's got those like size fourteen shoes. The brother has played. And he, he looks um, like he's eleven years old too. Like that dude has <laughs> insane projection. Like I'm not saying that as an insult or like to be funny. right. No, That's I mean like, it you know, just it's goes to show like, how much he has left in the tank. Looks like he's twelve years old. And is like six two and long and lanky and throw like it's. I'm all in on the upside. I told you this last year when I saw him at the showcase. Like, definitely a big fan of Brennan Hill, and his brother's good too. Like, I agree. Well, that's, that's yeah, and exactly. That's what I was going to say. Is he's got his brother on the team who knocked out eleven balls last year. Look, I don't give a. I don't care if the fences are short or not. When you're putting eleven balls out, you're putting eleven balls out. North doesn't you're have the smallest field in this. Ball. Yeah, like you're you're, you're barreling the you're barreling the ball regularly, right? So they return Drew Hill and they return Brennan Hill and they return uh, to Des- Jake Tedesco. They return, um, golly, I mean, Babcock. They return their middle. 
they got a lot of guys coming back and that's a team that was really like high on the radar last year uh, of course mm-hmm. they 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 had a really high peak and they had a really low plateau but regardless like i don't see how they're not one of those 25 best now i can understand south getting excluded granted the year last year getting knocked out in the first round and, and all that i get it but with north i really don't with north i really don't with no i mean you know I, I again i give credit to the people who make the rankings but leaving out north just seems I don't know. I'm, I'm, North's got to be in there. I, I would put North like 12th, honestly. Maybe even higher. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, it's not disrespectful to say that like last year was probably an underperformance slash disappointment. You know, maybe yeah, maybe yeah, not fair. quite that bad. They made it to the Elite Eight. Like, I'm not, maybe I'm being unfair. That's probably fine. But like, I, I thought that they were more of a state title contender heading into last year than like an Elite Eight max out type. But with that being said, whatever... Like the, there's count them, you know, if you want, I know you can't go by commits and like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm understanding of that, but they, we named three or four D one guys. They have like, how do you not, how are you not a top 20 team in one division? If you have that much talent on your team. So like, I just, I think that they're, they are missing as, as well. They should be in there too. Um, but yeah, moving on, man, like D two, new Boston here on Stevensville Lake short at the top. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend to know more than that. But like that feels right to me, having seen both of them last year uh, in the in the final four. Um, I would have Huron ahead of Lakeshore as well, and I think they got a chance to be really good. Yeah, I mean, how about that? I mean, a couple down River kids looking at New Boston Huron at the top yep. of the uh, the rankings. There, there's two schools, and you're gonna love this quote, by the way. There's two schools around here that really stepped it up um, athletically, and I don't know how much Huron's done outside of it. So I should just say baseball wise for Huron. Um, so we'll say Huron for one. The other, and then this school has done tremendous in all athletics. That's GR Riverview. GR has been like absurdly good at every sport it seems especially hockey uh, we saw them with a state title run in baseball too and they continue to pump out good teams and i think baseball kind of started it they were like hey you know we're, we're going to yep. be a school that chases championships type of deal and now they're regularly doing it in nearly every sport and it's great for down river you wanna, it's tough you want to know why because of the ad he came from orchard lake <laughs> That's St. Mary's. That's that St. Mary's footprint, baby. Not footprint, right. but uh, uh, formula. That's what I meant. Right, to say. formula. Formal. The recipe. As the a proud recipe. PR alum and St. Mary's employee, you know, like I'm, I feel as though I'm, uh, I can be proud of both. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's something else, man. Because you know, you, you, where I mean, hey, schools around here are losing kids to them, and that's never really been a thing before. Um, yep. When back in the day, in the wild, wild west, you didn't really have to fight off. GR for eighth graders. That didn't really happen. Right. Um, but now you see yourself having to do that. And, you know, you've had schools, you've had like Country Day and Orchard Lake come in here and take kids. And you've had Cranbrook come in here and take hockey kids, and especially in Trenton. Um, but you, you really haven't seen GR have a presence, and, and they have the presence right now. So, anyway, moving on with Division Two, I think everything's good. Um, honestly, I mean, I think you put it best. Like, as far as we know, D2 is like a, D2 is a mystery. Last year, D2 was obvious. It was going to be Orchard Lake or it was going to be whoever the hell beat Orchard Lake. And that never happened. And it, it probably won't again. And so with Division Two in mind, 
I think we're good. I think like Huron, Lakeshore, Grand Rapids Christian, Richmond, yep. those are all teams that are undeniably good based on their seasons last year and based on what they return. I think it gets a little murky after that. You're kind of just like throwing darts at a board there and hoping for the best, just looking at teams that have made runs and yada, yada, yada. But hey, that's kind of part of the game when you're ranking each division preseason. Um, like we said, every single year, Trenton's going to be a well-coached team. Uh, I think Roseal has a, a few good kids in their senior class. They got a strong senior class this year. They've all played together travel-wise in the Michigan Wildcats team, which has been a solid team to watch. Like I said last year when we were talking about travel ball, I mean, there's a lot of teams who aren't those, like they're not the hit dogs and they're not diamonds and they're not the bulls, but they're still real good and they can compete with those teams. And Michigan Wildcats were one of those teams that could uh, show up and, and beat you. And they're all like Roseal and all seniors. So that'll be a good team. So yeah, I think uh, I think D2 is good. D3 is the opposite. Mm-hmm. D three is D D three is Liggett and D three is Buchanan and everybody else is kind of like, I mean, Edison, Edison's good. I don't know what Edison, uh, I mean, Edison's going to be another good team. They probably should be ranked higher. They should probably be ranked ahead of, um, Hemlock, but I mean, Hey, again, throwing darts here. I think it's obvious who, who number one is. I think D three is just as obvious as D one, who number one is Liggett. Gaines, Blake Illich, a freshman who's going to be probably one of the better pitchers in the state as a freshman or one of the better pitchers in the state as a freshman. Um, probably one of the 20 best. And they've still got Barr, who's probably one of the five to 10 best, I would say. That's based on what I, I mean, I saw a lot of these kids throw last year and Barr was absurdly good. You don't see kids mm-hmm. mix, mix in fastball with movement. And he, he threw, I think he threw like three or four different fastballs. Like there was a four seam, a two seam, a cutter and a sinker, and they were all gross. And, um, you know, our kids couldn't hit it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I tweeted this out. I think like D three is lick it until it's proven otherwise. Like that's just, you know, like Buchanan had a really good year last year. They bring all of them back. They're going to be a really good team. I agree. But like it's lick it until someone says it's not. You know, I don't know anything about Hemlock. I'm sure they're going to be good. Blissfield was very talented last year. They lose two pretty substantial guys. But either way, obviously, having a new coach for the first time in 100 years, too, there right. at Blissfield. Uh, Edison, we know the the type of ability that they bring back. Uh, you know, we, we talk about Homer being a good team last year. Like, I get all that. But right now, it's just, it, it's like you said. It's like D2 was last year. It's, it's Liggett uh, until it's not. And I don't know if it ever won't be, you, you know, at least they're so loaded in 23 and 24 too, that I, I this is, this just might end up being a, a thing for them for, for several years. But, uh, uh, I know we're kind of up against it here in this segment. We'll move on to D four. Uh, this is interesting. Hackett won it last year, but comes in third, uh, which I found to be a little bit interesting. Like usually you're at least in the top two, um, Cardinal Mooney, I thought, was maybe the more talent, the, the most talented team in D four last year, or maybe they have the most talent coming into twenty twenty two. They're at two, but Beale City at number one, which is maybe the most uh, interesting number one on the list. Yeah, there's really not all. I mean, I think you may have said it best. Cardinal Mooney had the most talented team, and they're probably going to be. They return pretty much everything. I, I, I think. I don't know. I don't think I'm omitting anything by saying that i think they returned pretty much all their production for the most part last year so i don't see how we don't i mean because hackett who won they lost quapis and they lost a couple other kids who were good and you know that's they probably don't make the run this year that they made last year cardinal mooney is we said this earlier when things get personal you're either going to play a lot better or you're going to play a lot worse it just depends on how you handle your emotions as a team and cardinal mooney it means something this year to be in the position they're in uh, and mm-hmm. they're going to want, and this is a senior class, it's very senior laden class. And that means something. Um, and 
they've been there before now. They weren't there last mm-hmm. year. They've been there before now. Yep. So they have that experience. They know what to expect. They know how they have to play. Uh, and Mike Rice is a hell of a coach. He's he's He works his ass off, and you're, you're not going to have any lack of effort from him. So I'm sure he's spent every day since that loss – uh, figuring out what went wrong and what went right. I mean, I'm sure, sure he's just a, he deserves to enjoy what he did because Cardinal Looney's never getting there without him uh, taking that job a few years ago. But regardless, um, you know that's they have an edge in my opinion over everyone mm-hmm. in that division because of the experience they return and those kids knowing like, hey, we're not going to let that happen again. And this is a team that took Liggett to what the last right. out, great for extra innings uh, yeah, in the, no, in the yeah. Catholic League final, and led the whole way against, too. Yeah, you know, like I. It would, it's just a they play a little bit more competitive schedule uh, out of conference in league you know D4 regardless whatever than other schools and they played in some huge games last year came up just short everybody's back they're pissed they're hungry I agree with you um, I like to see Rudyard at 8 obviously coach Billy Mitchell's a friend um, right. Saw him at, at ABCA in Chicago. He's really excited about his club. They're, they have a really, really good senior class coming through Rudyard High School. It's you know they go to the Final Four, win the state championship in football or, or whatever it was, and they they get to East Lansing in basketball last year. Now they're all back to play baseball. Their basketball team's kicking ass already again this year. It's uh, he's excited about it. I'm excited for him. Hope to see Coach Mitchell in, in East Lansing towards the end of the season. Um, but yeah, I, Brandon, do you want to you want to wrap that up for now? We'll we'll take it into a, a short commercial break before we uh, we head into our interviews. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll we will spend some more time on the MHSBCA poll in the next couple episodes. We'll have some coaches on. We'll get Petrie back on. We'll get Samini back on. Uh, you know the whole deal. We'll talk to the guys. Uh, yeah, and I had but, a great yeah, conversation up, with Coach Samini. By the way, I want to shout him out. Talk to him for a few oh, at yeah. the MHSBCA. He's got a hell of a team, so that'll be fun to watch. All right, we'll be right back on the other side of the break with Coach Corey Kohler from San Jacinto. Woo! In our second interview segment of this week's episode of Cold Weather Bats, we are joined by Coach Corey Kohler. He's the recruiting coordinator and assistant baseball coach at San Jacinto Junior College in Houston, San Jack known to anybody who, if you know, you know, type of thing. Uh, the San Jack Gators are a perennial powerhouse in junior college baseball. I am uniquely qualified to make that declaration. Uh, with that being said, coach, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for, ha- thanks for coming on, man. I, I really appreciate you guys having me on, being able to come on here and, you know, discuss college baseball, junior college baseball, whatever you want to talk about. I, I appreciate you guys. And man, Brian, I, I respect you a lot and, and thank you for, for giving me the moment. See that Brandon? that's a guest. You get them to compliment you immediately. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> so coach, I read your text before I came on, Brian. I made sure I, I said what you told me. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll hit you with the Venmo after. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> so last season we had Britt Smith coach, you, you know, Britt well, uh, my PG colleague on to kind of talk us through the nuts and bolts of the junior college process, you know, why it might be a good idea, uh, you know, how the scholarship situation works, how recruiting works, what you're allowed to play, you know, the differences between that and, and normal universities. But this year we got a little bit more specific question uh, from Rich Jones, 
dad of Jack and Ryan, who are, are players at University Liggett. Both are very talented juniors. Uh, it, more specifically, as it pertains to recruiting in the 2022 through 2024 classes and how junior college can come into play because of the roster crunch that is COVID. So that's why we wanted to have you on. I, obviously, I, folks, I cannot speak to Coach Kohler's resume enough. Sanjak is junior college baseball in a lot of ways. They go to the World Series every year. Uh, perennial powerhouse with lots of good players all the time. So we wanted to get one of the best on, and that's what we did. So anyways, Coach, you know better than anybody. Kind of take us through it. COVID kind of backed everything up. We know that. And how are you seeing it play out in terms of eligibility at the D1 level? Is it is it made it easier for you to recruit? Is it is it making JUCO more of even more of a viable option than it had been? Yeah, so you know, I think it's kind of playing out just exactly how everybody thought it would. I mean, obviously, the first uh, what was the twenty twenty season was um, shut down for everybody. The twenty nineteen season, um, kind of the backlog started in twenty, um, and, and it's kind of what everyone thought it would be. You know, you've got these guys that have gotten their, uh, their year of eligibility back at our level at the junior college level. We actually got two years of eligibility back. Um, and it, it's really backed everybody up. You know, the, the major league draft, it didn't ha- didn't help having a five round draft. Um, and so there is, there is this huge backlog, uh, and, and you've got junior colleges around the country, um, that will end up having guys on campus, without an actual redshirt year for four years. And if they did have a redshirt year, they could actually be there for five years. It's, it's kind of the craziest uh, of worlds in junior college baseball uh, right now, but it's even more um, crazy because junior college has benefited in my opinion from it across the board uh, because you've got high school kids with, with places that they need to go that normally they wouldn't have that opportunity. Um, and so it's, it's, it's kind of been a fun uh, roller coaster ride for us as junior college coaches. I know it's, it's been extremely um, stressful for, for both parents and players and, and the division one coaches alike. Um, but I, I foresee this going on for at least the next two years. And how do you think that is directly impacting these kids? Like we talked about 2022 through 2024 classes. It's like, there's no reason for even junior colleges to necessarily recruit the same amount of freshmen they would have before the pandemic. Right. That that's exactly right. And, and that's unfortunate for those incoming freshman kids or, or those seniors in high schools, those juniors in, in high schools that aren't getting the looks that they normally would. But let's be honest that for us, junior, uh, junior college programs kind of in that top tier. Um, and there's a lot of programs out there that I would consider top tier you know, if you're, if you're using that scholarship money on those, those incoming freshmen and not holding out on that portal player or, or those, those late Christmas gifts, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice. And I think that's really, really shown with the top level teams. Um, there's, they're loaded with really, really good players across the country. I'll jump into with a quick explanation of, uh, of late Christmas gift. Uh, coach Kohler is, is speaking of when a, uh, when a transfer from a Division One university decides at the semester break that the junior college route might be best for him and then joins that team after Christmas. Late Christmas present there, that's what Coach Kohler is talking about. One of my favorite uh, colloquialisms in, in baseball. <laughs> but, Brandon, I'm sorry for cutting you off. Please go ahead. Oh, you're good. You're good. Uh, Coach, the question I have a little bit 
uh, away from that subject is I, I'm an athlete from Michigan and I'm 16, 17, whatever it is, I'm a rising junior. And the Juker route starts to become far more realistic to me. Uh, and I start to really take a look at the, at the top end of it. What kind of process uh, am I taking to put myself in the best situation to maybe not immediately get an opportunity, but at the very least get my name out there so that these Juco schools can you know, begin to pursue me in some capacity? So I think that the way that the, the recruiting has gone over the, I'd say probably the last six or seven years, um, junior college coaches have really started to hit the road a lot. You know, we go to some of the bigger tournaments in the country and, and, and I see the same group all the time, man. It's, it's Northwest Florida, it's Chipola, it's, it's, uh, McLennan, it's Sanjak, it's, it's, it, all the, all the top teams are, are going to be out on the road, but you know what? It's getting your name out there with video, live game video. For me, my, my DMs are, are packed with kids that, that want an opportunity with real live game video. And, and if I like what I see, I'm going to get on the horn. I'm going to make some phone calls, whether it's their high school coach, um, their select coach, it's easy to find out who they play for. Um, but I love live game video and, and I'm getting it a lot. And I would say over the last two years, especially with this COVID backlog, it's becoming a situation where uh, I can't see enough video because there's so many kids out there that don't have a place yet. And I would say that, you know, if, if I had any advice for them, just keep throwing it out there and, and keep trying to find that place. And junior, junior college route is a fantastic route. It's a route I went. I played junior college baseball. You know, Woody Williams is our, our, our pitching coach. He pitched 15 years in the big leagues. He pitched at two different junior colleges. Um, and so junior college route is a fantastic route, but you got to get seen. You got to get your name out there. And there's a lot of junior college programs that are really, really good that may not have the budget to be able to get out and see you live. So reach out to them because they need they need those players to get their their information to them. This kind of brings me to another point. We talk about the the filt the general filtering down of this backlog of classes. There's a ton of junior college baseball programs, and I, I feel like we've made some progress in terms of like you know taking away the stigma that surrounded going the junior college route, you know, even as few as five years ago. But at the same time, I don't think we've done a good enough job of like showing just how many opportunities there are at the junior college level. So, Hey, maybe San Jack doesn't have room, but the other 578 or whatever there are, they probably do. But that's what I'm saying. Coaches is, is, is I think this, the backlog, it's still, like you said, it makes junior college a, a more reasonable option for kids as well as helps Juco across the board because better players are going there. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, it's, it, it's amazing to me how many junior colleges across the country that can really play. And, and I'll be the first one to admit, I don't know much about the junior college route out in California or out in the Pacific Northwest. I know mm -hmm. the NJCAA, like the back of my hand, obviously, but there's outstanding talent and outstanding programs out in California. Um, and then when you get into the NJCAA, you're looking at there's division two and division three junior colleges that might get their nose thumbed up at them that can really, really play. You know, we played Pearl river, for example, in the fall, they kicked the living tail out of us. Um, <laughs> they, they can really swing it. They can pitch. Um, and, and they're a really good, well-coached program. 
you got division three programs, you know, Tyler makes the jump up to division one. They played division three junior college baseball and they played a D one schedule all year. Um, and, And so we had the stigma, you know, several years ago that junior college wasn't the route that you wanted to take. And Brian, I would say you and perfect game and, and what you've done with the, the junior college level to promote it and to get it uh, uh, built up has done a, just a fantastic job to, to now it is a viable route. And now people have a lot of respect for it. And you're seeing it throughout social media that, man, there's some freaking talent, some really, really talented players. I, I would say guys like, like Bryce Harper and Brandon belt and, and several other guys since the Harper era have really kind of elevated junior college baseball. And with this backlog, they can't all go division one junior college. So they got to filter into the division two level. And LSU Eunice is unbelievably mm-hmm. good. And, and so now it's going to filter down into the division three level as well. And you're going to have talent at all of the levels, just because there's so many really good players out there that need a place. And for those listening from the state of Michigan, which I would presume are most of you, uh, Michigan Juco is mostly D2. I I think there may be a couple D3s as it is drawn or whatever, but the majority of the Juco's in Michigan are D2. Where scholarships are available, um, there are budgets. You know, Lansing CC and Kellogg both were exceptionally good last year. Kellogg went to the World Series. Lansing CC was 45-3 and or something absurd. Um, But anyways, yeah, just as an informational coach, did I speak poorly on that? D2 is available, uh, has scholarships available, right? Yes. Yes, Division Two does have scholarships available. In fact, they have everything that a Division One program does, except for housing. Now, with with housing, most Division Two junior colleges, and I may be may be incorrect here, but I think for the most part, they have on campus on campus housing, um, and so the housing is is fairly inexpensive. Uh, but they can they can give uh, uh, the books tuition and fees and make it very inexpensive to go to school at those Division Two junior colleges. And Division Three college, junior colleges, they don't have athletic scholarships, but they do have different academic scholarships and can make it extremely inexpensive to go there as well. So there is there is definitely a ton of money out there for kids to be able to go to school for for a very limited um, cost, and it, it it just makes it a really good route to to continue to develop and to maybe at some point you do reach that level of playing Division One baseball at a four year university. Coach, I'm sure you have many of these, and it will be hard to single one out. But if you had to think of one, maybe a more recent one that is more applicable to a young and that's listening to this one, just talk about an athlete uh, that you were able to recruit and get to San Jack who benefited from the JUCO route, uh, despite perhaps having offers or, or opportunities to do things in a different division. Yeah, so I, I, I would say that you know pretty much – a guy, let's say Jackson Rutledge. That's a, that's a really good example. Jackson Rutledge um, had opportunities out of high school to sign professionally. He, he, in his pre-draft meetings, decided that you know he had a certain number that he was willing to sign for. Um, you know, the Major League Baseball organizations decided that that number was a little high, um, and so he ended up at University of Arkansas. Goes to the University of Arkansas, has a little bit of a hip labrum issue. Um, pitches very limited his freshman year at Arkansas. Um, they decide to go in another direction. Uh, Jackson Rutledge ends up at, at San Jack. Um, 
and you know, he would have, he would have told you at the get go, look, after a year at Sanjak, I'm going to sign for 120,000 and, and, and go and start my professional career. Well, for him, it turned out a lot different. Um, he had a fantastic <laughs> year. Uh, he developed with, with Woody Williams. He, he, uh, just continued to get bigger and better and stronger. And, and the, the work ethic was off the charts and he ends up 17th overall to the Washington nationals, the highest, uh, drafted pitcher up to that point in, in junior college history. And, uh, and the rest is history. It'll probably be in the big leagues next year. And, and so there's tremendous stories like that from, uh, you know, from San Jack, from Chipola, uh, all the way out to, to Santa Rosa and, and everywhere across the country. So those, those kind of stories are, they're just, they're great. I mean, the, the, the Cam Collier story right now at Chipola mm-hmm. is, is uh, amazing. The, the, the route is, it, it's, it's undeniable that you can, you can take the junior college route and become everything you've ever dreamed of. Uh, and it's not a stepping stone anymore. And I attribute that to the, just the, the great job that people like, you know, perfect game and, and Brian and, and Noah and everybody else that are, that are junior college fans have done to, to put a spotlight on our, our level. Coach, we appreciate you coming on with us, man. Thank you for taking the time out of uh, what is a very frantic prep schedule because junior college baseball is right around the corner. Uh, in fact, we will be seeing the San Jack Gators in the Panama City Beach Tournament in a couple weeks, uh, and they got to go through Grayson first before they even get down there. Uh, so, anyways, Coach, thank you again for taking the time, man. We really appreciate have a really, really, really appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, and you know, best of luck to y'all. And I look forward to seeing you, Brian, in a couple weeks. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Take it easy, Coach. All right, so for our first interview segment uh, today's episode, we've got a state champion out of Division One, uh, Grand Blanks ace, uh, returning for another year, Notre Dame commit, David Lally. Actually, I believe you're a signee now. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We're good, man. Happy happy to have you on. All is well. First, up, first episode back in a few here. So, uh, David, I mean, hey, we said it at the top of the interview here, state champion. You guys have a – we'll just get right to it. You have a target on your back in, in defending that, and then you've got new competition with uh, Orchard Lake joining and Brother Ice returning again. So uh, what's the – what's personally your memory of that run last year, and then what's your outlook going into this year with, uh, with that in mind? Um, I think the biggest memory of last year is just, like, going out, like, with all the seniors who I've been with for my whole entire life, like – just doing what we set our goal at the beginning of the year. Obviously our goal was to win it, but we never truly believed it till we got to the beginning of our playoff run. It was just amazing, man, going out with my brothers on top of everyone. And then going into the next season, I mean, we still got the same goal at hand. Nothing's changed. I mean, everyone's going to be doubting us at the beginning of the year. It's whatever. Same thing that happened last year. We're just going to continue to prove them wrong. How has the uh, the off season gone for you guys? You see, I, like obviously, I know Grand Blank very good in football and basketball too. So, like an athletic powerhouse of a program there. Uh, but off season been going well for you guys. You getting ready to go? Yeah, uh, 
we've got a lot of our uh, winter workouts right now. You know, everyone's coming together as a team, just building that chemistry from freshmen all the way up to seniors. Just uh, want to make the ball club as best as we can, have everyone getting along together and just getting to know each other better. So you've kind of been a part of what really has been a little bit of a revolution for Grand Blanks athletic programs, especially uh, in baseball, winning that state championship. But Brian mentioned there's been some other uh, sports accomplishing things there as well. So what's it like to be, I don't know if you see yourself as this, but but you are kind of a, a leader there of a pack over the past couple of years as a junior and now as a senior. So what's it been like to have that responsibility and, and what has your, I guess, strategy been with building the culture there at Grand Blank? Yeah, you know, uh, at Grand Blank, we're all, we've all been together since we were young and it's just, everyone's coming together. We just have, everyone's from Grand Blank. We've all been at the same place the whole time. We don't have like kids from other places or whatever. We just, we've been building the chemistry since we were at nine years old is when we all started playing together. And it's just amazing knowing that I can play for my hometown. I've been here my whole life. It's just amazing knowing that I can represent them very well. David, you had a, a very adventurous summer on the circuit. I think you might've traveled nearly as much as I did. Uh, this past year, I feel feel like I saw you and your dad pretty much everywhere. Um, t- you know, take take us through your summer experience. Not everybody uh, plays at the national level uh, on the summer circuit, so you know, some of your favorite places you went, some of the most memorable uh, outings that you had uh, throughout the course of the summer. Um, okay, well, I started off after winning states. We went to uh, we went to PG National. And that was, that was really nice. There was a ton of scouts there. Unbelievable. It was one of the first times I've ever thrown that many, in front of that many scouts. So that was really memorable time. Another one of my, this is probably my favorite moment of the summer was uh, East coast pro. A lot of people there, a lot of people I performed well and I, uh, I prepared myself very well. And I knew that I was going to face some of the top hitters in the country. So I just made sure to prepare myself well. And then uh, in the fall, Jupiter was probably the best uh, throwing experience I had. Everything throughout the summer was working really well. Off-speed was spinning well. Location was very well. And it was just overall a really, really, really nice summer. So without giving away too much of what goes into your attack plan on the mound, you have an arsenal of pitches and you you work them all well. You mentioned them a bit there. Talk a little bit about what it's been like coming to terms with, you know, what you're going to throw and when you're going to throw it, how you're going to sequence it, how you're going to spit it. And just, just the evolution of that for you, because, you know, with, I think with any pitcher, how they throw at 16 is or 15 is far different than how they throw at 17, 18. So uh, talk a little bit about what's changed there for you over the past couple of years. Uh, yeah. So I've always had a naturally uh, like diving fastball at the end. So that's always been there. Then. I just know going into like when I'm facing a hitter, I could throw any pitch in any count, any situation. And I don't want uh, hitters sitting at certain pitches so that they know what's coming. So I'm always going to have them off balance. And I feel like that's probably one of the places that I've matured the most in my pitching game over my years is just uh, locating all my pitches and having confidence in every pitch. Uh, David, one of the, I think you're one of the few people, who uh, was able to get a barrel around on Brock Porter last year. What is the attack plan when you're hitting uh, against a guy like that? You're obviously a talented hitter. Uh, you know, we, we know you hit a bunch of home runs last year. You're in the middle of that grand blank lineup. But what is the mentality when you're seeing Velo? What do you think the mentality is for guys who are facing you in that same question? 
Uh, I just feel like my approach was to shorten up the swing because I knew that if a short and sweet, he's providing the power for me. So I knew that if I caught a barrel off him, the ball was going to be able to go. And I feel like just shorting up your swing and not casting out your swing or getting long. So maybe eliminating your step or just shortening up the swing is the best thing that you can do against like when people have high velo like Brock. So talk a little bit about the differences. And we've asked this question before, um, but I think you have a pretty good case for it because you've been to, uh, you know, as deep as it gets in the Michigan State Finals at the highest division. And then you've also been out there in the summer circuit playing at, you know, the highest level as well. So talk about the difference between uh, going to like an East Coast pro event uh, or going to the PG National or whatever it may be versus like that game against Rice or, you know, that state final or what, what was the difference between those two? I would say that one big difference, I mean, my like mental preparation was, uh, was the same. Uh, but one bigger prep was that I had all my, all my boys with me. And, uh, I mean, everyone was just there and everyone knew that we belonged there and that we were going to win in the state finals. And then at East coast, you don't really know everyone like that. So, I mean, it was fun getting to know a lot of people, but I feel like the state finals was a bigger like experience for me just because I got to do it with my brothers. We're, uh, we're, we're talking to David Lally, uh, grand blank, a state champion, uh, MLB draft prospect, Notre Dame commit. Uh, and that's what I wanted to, to kind of circle back to. You are committed to Notre Dame. What was it about Notre Dame that made you pick them? Like, you know, everyone knows the, the allure of, you know, we're all Midwesterners. We've all grown up with, with Notre Dame in our life in some way. My father's a Notre Dame fan, um, unfortunately, but anyways, what made you, what about Notre Dame was special to you? What made that the one for you? Yeah, so uh, the year before I committed, they got a new coaching staff and all. And I mean, when they reached out to me, it just felt like they truly cared about me and they were asking me questions about my life, about baseball, and they just wanted to get me get to know me well and I knew that their baseball team was on the come up and all their new training facilities, new field, and I mean, I value uh education at a very high level. So I knew that that was going to be like after uh, college baseball, if, you know, things don't go as planned. I know that I'm going to be able to do something nice. I'm going to be like just being able to do whatever I want with that Notre Dame education on my resume. So you talk a little bit about college there, but it, it, we've seen guys get drafted out of Michigan in recent years. You think about, uh, you know, like Micah Ottenbright last year out of Trenton who went in the fourth round and, uh, you know, Brock Porter's a guy who's probably got the opportunity to come out this year. Uh, so my question is, has that thought come to your mind or are you kind of just putting your head down and getting to work right now? Yeah, that's absolutely mine. I haven't like put much, I mean, I've put some thought into it, but I don't have like one way that I'm swaying or the other. I mean, I just want to be able to have fun in my senior year of high school. And then throughout the spring, I'll be able to determine which way is going to be the best for me and what's going to be like the best fit overall for my future. I think we're going to wrap it up with that. David, we, uh, we really appreciate you joining us, man. Obviously, we're looking forward to seeing what Grant Blank is going to be able to do this year. Are you guys in line for a repeat? The storyline with St. Mary's coming to D1 is obviously a big one, and, and you're going to be right in the middle of that as well. Um, really, really want to congratulate you on, on your success so far in baseball. We're looking forward to, to following your journey as you continue along. And again, thanks for coming on the show, man. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Well, that does it for the first episode of 2022. And that was uh, a great time. David Lally, Coach Corey Kohler, uh, fantastic stuff from both interviews. Got to chop it up about those polls in the beginning. Brian, how did it feel to be back? Good? 
Yeah, man. Love being back. I'm excited to, to keep rolling with this. Uh, we went longer this week because we wanted to get both interviews. We wanted to have our segment. But we're going to – these will be 40, 45, 50-minute episodes throughout the course of the season. It just – nobody wants to listen to us talk for two hours. All right. We'll do what you do best. Take us out. All right. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. As always, please follow us on social media at Cole with the Bats. Cross-platform. We will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.